You're listening to Dialed In, a National Club Golfer podcast. Hello, everyone. Welcome to another edition of Dialed In National Club Golfers. Look at the best bets each week on the PGA and European tours. As always, I am delighted to welcome NCG's form expert, Barry Plummer. Barry, welcome. Hi, Steve. And as it's a very special tournament this week, we have a very special guest as well. You may know him on Twitter as at Sundog Monkey. He's the author of the popular Sundog's Golf World Tipping blog on the internet, Martin Matthews. Martin, welcome. Steve, good afternoon. Um, thanks for having me on and uh, good afternoon, Barry. Hi, Martin. So before we get on to a very special tournament this week, let's look back at what was another special tournament, the Arnold Palmer Invitational. Bryson DeChambeau just edging out Lee Westwood to get the famous cardigan, if um, a cardigan can be famous. But uh, DeChambeau really just enhancing his, his profile as the superstar of golf at the moment. And Martin, let, let me bring you in to start with. I mean, is Bryson worth all the hype? Um, well, he's box office, Steve. I think that's the thing. I mean, you either love him or hate him. And although he uh, robbed a few people up, um, sort of listeners, viewers, what have you, with the way he uh, sort of rattled into thanking his sponsors in his post-round uh, interview, sort of, uh, I don't think he actually answered the question that he was asked. You know, he was asked about how the course was playing or whatever, and he was like, first of all, I've got to thank blah, 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 blah. So, so but he, he, whatever you think of him, he's box office, and obviously the fans all wanted to see him, um, you know, booming it 370-odd yards or whatever on the sixth, and uh, he does it his own way, and all credit to him. He believes in what he does, and he's proven himself over and over again, so you can't argue with it. And Barry, 47 years old, getting on towards 48. Some people have been talking about whether he should move on to the seniors tour or not, but there is an awful lot of life left in Lee Westwood. Yeah, I mean, it was brilliant to see him up there in the final group on, on Sunday. And it really was a bit of a, a mismatch, wasn't it, with uh, Bryson and, and Lee, very different players, but both very talented. And, and still, obviously, Lee has got so much to offer to, to both professional tours at the top level. And obviously, only recently, having uh, performed brilliantly at the DP World Tour Championship, he's, he's somebody who I'm, I'm sure will, will produce many more performances of that, of that level in the near future. Bryson DeChambeau clearly featuring prominently in the early betting for this week's Super Tournament, the Players' Championship at TPC Sawgrass. Dustin Johnson, you'll be not surprised to know, leads the betting at a best price of 12 to 1. Rory McIlroy in next at 14s. Bryson DeChambeau, obviously 14s as well. But a stellar field, John Rahm, Justin Thomas, don't really need to say too much more about it. It is one of the best fields in golf, chaps. It is. Um, yeah, it's... It's as if, well, you say cliche is the fifth major, et cetera. It's the um, PGA Tour's flagship event. And um, everyone, everyone who can be here is here, obviously. Tiger, of course, sadly, has got um, far bigger battles at the moment, trying to recoup from his accident. And Brooks Kepp has had to withdraw with a knee injury. But apart from that, um, everyone's here. And uh, um, yeah, it should be a cracker. And you've been to the tournament a number of times, I believe, as well. So what, what can you tell us about the atmosphere of the Players' Championship? Oh, it's it, it's cracking. I mean, it's, um, 
you can't that, that amphitheater around the, the, the 16th and the 17th and then the 18th tee there as well it's uh, it's amazing and sort of fr friday afternoon the players is there obviously it's not the normal of the tournament but it's when in normal times all the fans come out and sort of uh you know have have a load of bets and drinks away <laughs> what's going on, on the 17th hole and uh, it, it's just a cracking atmosphere it's, it's an amazing place to go to and, and that whole area in jacksonville is amazing as well so yeah a great trip you never get there i don't want to show off too much because while i've not been to a players championship i have played tpc sawgrass and i remember it being um an almighty difficult track and not just because of the water um, that everyone's aware of and clearly, you know, the stretch at 16, 17, 18, which is famous, but um, we uh, didn't take a cart. We decided to walk, um, which created incredulity on the, uh, on the expression of our forecaddy. You just couldn't believe it. And while it might be just under around 7,200 yards, Barry, there's, there's quite a lot of walking between um, greens and tees. So just give me an idea from your perspective of what it takes to play well round Sawgrass from a betting point of view. Yeah, I mean, you're looking at players as well, as, as you've mentioned already, the famous water and uh, the, the difficulty with the bunkers, but also you've got the fact that players need to be able to shape the shot in both directions from the tee. So it doesn't really favor any one particular shot shape. Um, and, you know, you can see players, some players performing really well on the day, shooting low 60s and some players really struggling up at the high 70s. And, and it's that sort of golf course that really tests you in different ways. And, and is a bit strategic that you need to try and work out, which is why I think uh, it's a really interesting one to try and get right in the betting. You've seen it in the flesh, Martin. And um, what do you believe is needed to prevail around this very unusual Pete Dye course? Well, if you look at this, the sort of stats, um, well, stats back this up, it, it's, it's more a second shot course. Um, you, you know, driving accuracy isn't the key, but a, approach play, um, the overall seems a green game, but approach play, and, and obviously a good given a scrambling key. But it's, it's what um, I once heard referred to many years ago, and I think this is probably right, it's what I'd call a Marmite course. The players either love it or hate it and because it is their flagship event they will all show up you know it's not you know if it was a normal pga tour event certain players would skip it um dustin johnson good example world number one obviously all right he was fifth here last time uh but he's had i don't know off the top of my head 10 12 attempts around here and that by far is his best effort which for a player of his caliber you know his average finish here is 20th 30th or, or what have you so clearly it doesn't fit his eye but he's got to keep showing up so it's one of those it's quirky one basically you either love it or hate it i mean does that help you chaps from a betting point of view then because uh, as martin as martin said there you've got a player like dustin johnson who's clearly not at home with the track if if history is anything to go by but he's the world number one so he's always going to head the market I think with the uh, the fact that the field is so strong, you do end up getting a lot of value towards the middle and back end of the market. And there are some players who, as Martin said, if these players who, who hadn't turned up because they don't necessarily like the course very much, hadn't turned up, they wouldn't be at the price they're at. And if you're dis, you know, discounting some of those, you are getting a lot of value for, for some players who, who may well have the game to suit uh, that type of environment better. Yeah, I'd agree with Barry there. It's a case of... You look at your form, I mean, the same sort of players crop up on, on the sort of 
Peat Dye tracks, these quirky tracks. I mean, Siwoo Kim, perfect example, won uh, the Amex a few weeks back, um, which is basically three rounds of it. Anyway, I was on a mirror course with most of this, and of course, he's a player's champion. Um, so you look at this track, you look at Amex track, you look at Hilton Head, um, and certain players love those type of tracks, whereas, you know, you, you wouldn't back Bubba Watson here in a million years. Um, he'll probably go and win now, but uh, um, I wouldn't put my, I wouldn't put your money on him. So, and then my mind. So, uh, yeah, he's a, it's horses for courses, as they say. People are listening to uh, hopefully find out who you guys are going to win. So let's get on to some selections and visitors first, Martin. Who's who's first up for you? Right, first up, I'm I'm going with Justin Thomas. He's the one from the top of the market. Um, Obviously, it's been a tricky time from of late um, off the course. um, Well documented. um, uh, comments he made back in Hawaii, which he was rightly chastised for. And then, of course, was sadly recently lost his grandfather. But... um, Last time out, he was solid enough after a bad opening day. Um, I'm very much at this venue, one for trends, more so just for what we're touching on than any other course, looking at trends here, history of past winners and what have you. And JT fits that pretty perfectly. He's, I think he's made off the top of my head five starts here, uh, best of third place. So experience is key here. So he's the one for me at the top of the market. Yeah, he's had a difficult time this year, as you rightly said. Uh, do you think he's had enough time now to recover from that double whammy? I'm not sure that's the right way to put it, but obviously the comments that were made and then the sad loss of a, of a close relative. Yeah, I mean, it's you just don't know, of course, how any player is going to relax, react to this kind of thing. And um, I backed Brandon Grace a couple of weeks ago in um, Puerto Rico, and he won not five, six weeks after the very sad loss of his father. So... It can inspire players. I mean, clearly when Thomas found out his grandfather had passed away and he had to play the final round at the Genesis, I think it was the next day, um, obviously, quite understandably, his mind wasn't on the game at all. But um, as I say, last time out, he, after a bad opening round, he played nicely and he's, um, he was second for the week off the top of my head in approach play. So finished 15th. Um, another thing that's key here for players, half past winners, is that they've had a good finish in their previous start. Um, you won't find a winner here going back God knows how many years who missed the cut in the previous start. A good sort of top 20 or thereabouts is what's needed the previous time out. Yeah, and you won't find Justin at 20 to 1 too often, will you, in the last sort of 12 to 24 months? You won't, and um, he's, he's a serial winner. <laughs> so, you, you know, there is, um, there is a view, I guess, and I'm not saying it's one I always take, but the view when you get these players like McElroy, Thomas um, Kepka was a good example the other week. He was out at a price that I know people just thought, well, that's too big on the back of three missed cuts. I'll take him. I wasn't one of them, unfortunately. So, so yeah, Thomas is always going to be of interest at 20 to 1, absolutely. That's a great start to the uh, to the tipping for us with Justin Thomas here. Barry, who's leading the way for you? Yeah, so I've similarly gone for somebody towards the top of the world golf rankings, Tyrrell Hatton this week, uh, getting him at a brilliant price, I feel, at 35 to 1. Uh, obviously, he's won uh, the Abu Dhabi recently, won the PGA at Wentworth not so long ago. Um, he, he had a bit of a funny week last week where he shot 77 to open, uh, then came back and uh, sort of gritty display to get 67 to make the cut, 66 on Saturday to put himself right up there. And then, you know, everybody struggled with the conditions on Sunday and, and had a bit of a, a nightmare. And uh, in moments, we saw sort of the red mist start to descend for Hatton again, like we've seen in the past. And that seems like that had been something he'd started to manage a little bit better recently. And I think, obviously, with it being quite a, 
uh, a challenge this week. I think he will have taken a lot from that. And when we backed and, and, and won on Morikawa at the WGC Workday, um, that was off the back of a similar profile where he'd, miss, he'd shot a, a poor round in round one at the Genesis, had a gritty display to get back in and make the cut in round two. And then, you know, we, we backed him the week after and he went and won. So I'm using a similar profile to choose Hatton this week. And I think um, as somebody who, you know, is, is a magnificent player, he's quite a good price each way at 35 to one. Do you feel that he's got this consistent profile now in top class events? I mean, you, you talked a little bit about him, the red mist coming a touch um, when things uh, weren't going for him on Sunday, but that doesn't happen very often now, does it? I mean, he's a much calmer player over the last sort of year than perhaps he might have been. Yeah, and I think he's much better now at maybe taking the mickey out of himself a little bit more, sort of understanding that he does do that sometimes and taking it in quite a light-hearted way. You, you saw the video on the European Tour a few weeks ago of him and the angry golfers um, and, and that sort of that highlights really how how he sort of developed that I suppose psychological side of his game and, and that ability to be able to not take himself too seriously and I mean he's, he's had brilliant performances on um, courses like um, uh, Harbour Town and, and things like that which you know uh, have some sort of correlating form to the players so I think he's going to have um, a week where at 35 to 1 he should uh, be quite good value. Could this be the next step for him, Martin? I mean, clearly he's won huge tournaments, you know, Abu Dhabi and obviously the flagship event on the European Tour, but, and he's won on the PGA Tour as well, but winning a sort of stellar PGA Tour major events, what's next for him, isn't it? Yeah, absolutely. And, and again, if you, if you look at trends of this tournament, um, there's quite a theme over the years of players, and it's called the fifth major, um, it's quite a theme of players who haven't quite got to the level of winning a major, whether they've gone on to afterwards, like Sergio, perhaps, or never got there yet, but who are in that echelon of, you know, they've played Ryder Cup, they're considered as someone who can win a major, so he fits that bill perfectly, as you say, it's the next step up, um, you know, Ricky Fowler won here a few years ago, um, Matt Kuchar, uh, that type of player who, you know, was knocking on the door but not quite got there as I say Sergio was at the time as well so so yeah he could still I suppose my one quite concern and I haven't got it to my fingertips Barry, Barry might is um, what his history around here is so I'm keen on players who've got a bit of history and um, not, not willing to put you on the spot Barry. I don't know if you've got it to hand or not but uh, has he made one or two starts here or has he done has, what, what, what's yeah he, I think he, I think he's had three starts a three couple starts. of sort of 40-odd, 40, 44, 45, and a, and a missed okay. cut, I think, around that off the top of my head. But, yeah, that is that was one of my concerns in putting him up. Yeah, but absolutely. He's, um, you know, again, he's a serial winner now. You know, he, he can win at any given time. He's tough as nails. He showed at Bay Hill last year. And, um, yeah, he, he's someone you'd trust if he was there on Sunday, isn't he? Well, there's a stellar European and a stellar American to get us underway on the tipping sheet for the Players' Championship. Who's next for you, Martin? Jordan Spieth. Um, now, he, I mean, obviously everyone is delighted to see Jordan Speed back and, um, you know, his round at um, Phoenix a few weeks ago and then what he produced on Saturday at Bay Hill was just, just amazing. Uh, and I think we've got past the stage now where people sort of say, oh, Speed, Speed was lucky, he just had a purple patch, you know, he, he'll never continue to hold putts like that. I mean, that that's just what he does, <laughs> or at least what he does when he's on his game. And, um uh, he clearly is very close to being back at a winning level. And uh, yes, he's holding on a putts and chipped in and bunker shots and holding one and what have you, but his approach play is trending in the right direction. Um, again, the, the tee ball is obviously still a little iffy, but that's not so much the key here. And, and you can leave the driver in the bag a lot here as, as well. So um, 
to me, he is, again, form coming in here, past course form, form coming in here are the two key things for me. And um, although he's missed the cut here on a few occasions, he's also posted a top five uh, and he's obviously flying at the moment. So I think this is the week that he could get back to winning in his enclosure. Two questions I'd have for you on Jordan. Unfortunately, I keep backing him in round four. Um, so in near, but but not quite a cigar. Although I'm sure it's going to be on the way. But but two things. I mean, firstly, are you happy enough with the price? Um, Twenty five to one. I mean, there's still a bit of juice in there, I think. But a lot of the mystery on Jordan's gone now, hasn't it? Yeah, that that was. Um, I was slightly kicking myself over that one, and obviously from the point of view of putting him up as a a tip on my own blog it's all well and good me getting an earlier price but I'm, I'm looking obviously for value for my readers as well on the, on the Monday so um but I was looking I mean basically again looking at trends here of this this, this tournament um you don't tend to get someone who comes here and wins after they've just won uh, and more often than not you get people breaking a long winless drought here um you know a lot of the guys have gone even Rory when he went here last time was over 12 months since the win um been a couple of exceptions but long winless drought so so I was looking to back him over the weekend and it was 40s available on Friday and I think Saturday morning and and but because he was in the mix I didn't want to back him till I knew he wasn't going to win as bizarre as it sounds as he wasn't going to win at Bay Hill so right yesterday until the back nine um I didn't want to pull the trigger until it became apparent he couldn't couldn't win down the stretch and well then the price had gone so I'm taking the 25 to 1 because I'd rather be on a 25 to 1 winner than not although obviously I'd rather have 33 I really do think he's very close I think yeah. Secondly, I, I would say even though he is uh, right back into form, which is great to see, he still does have a tendency to miss it left. Um, and there are some holes with a lot of water left here, um, primarily yeah, yeah. at the 18th. Um, but, but, you know, throughout the golf course, um, left can be a watery grave here. Yeah. And um I'm just trusting that, as I say, he's close. He's, you know, he's gradually going to continue getting better off the tee. The confidence is going to be coming there week on week with these high finishes. Uh, as I say, I mean, I understand that some shots you've got to, some holes you've got to step up and hit the shot with the driver or whatever. But, um, uh, you know, you can take the iron on quite a few holes. So, um, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm just, just trusting that the driver won't let him down when it matters. But I mean, as you said earlier, I mean, he's clearly trending in the right direction. Obviously, the attention is all on his spectacular putting and chipping that we've seen over the last couple of weeks. But as, as, as you said earlier, his iron play is much better now. And although, although we've talked about the miss left, there's fewer of them now than there was maybe a year mm. ago. Yeah, no, absolutely. He's, he's, he's clearly the work he's done. I mean, he's obviously been working his proverbials off to, to, to get back to, to where he needs to get back to. Uh, and it's clearly coming to, to, to fruition. And um, yeah, he's, he's, I mean, he, he, he had some misses, but over the weekend, he wasn't hitting it too badly. And um, I'm trying to remember what he did uh, till 18 at, um, uh, at Bay Hill yesterday, because that's a tough tee shot. But um, he, he um, yeah, he's, he's, to me, he, he's someone I want to have on the side this week. Certainly two very high-profile players and good friends um, heading up Martin's uh, form sheet at the moment. Who's next for you, Barry? So, again, I've gone for somebody in that sort of middle bracket. And, uh, again, I like the value on Daniel Berger this week at 40-1. to Obviously, won at Pebble recently. Um, He's played five times at TPC Sawgrass, so he's got that sort of experience of playing there. Ninth place best in 2016. 
Um, he's, he's won twice in 12 months. And I think the thing to, to note with Berger is that although he's had some very average form in his last few attempts at TPC Sawgrass, he's a much better player now than he was when playing in those events. He, he's come on leaps and bounds in the last 12 months. Obviously, we know he had his injury troubles. Um, and since getting that first win just after, I think just after the break, wasn't it? After we had the lockdown, the first lockdown. Um, his form's been brilliant. He's had four to uh, top 10s in his last six starts. Um, and, you know, when he uh, played in this event last year, before it was cancelled after round one, he actually was, was on minus four. So it wasn't too far back from the lead at round one. And I think actually at 40 to one, considering he's a recent winner, I think that's quite good value. Interesting, Barry, that you talked about the pebble connection there, because Martin, reading your blog earlier on, you can see some similarities between the two tracks. Yeah, it's um, uh, it's it's a basically they're, they're tracks that don't favour the bigger hitter particularly, aren't they? It's not saying the bigger hitter can't win. I mean, Dustin Johnson's obviously got a great record around pebble, um, but you don't have to be long off the team. So you know, your, your Kevin Kisners or whatever can um, can, can can compete there, and um, uh, yeah. But so so um, I'm, I'm I'm hanging a bit of a hat on that as well with Jordan having won at pebble, obviously. So uh, um, yeah. Um, See, I'm not saying that shot shapes, shot shapes set up the same. That's a tongue twister, but um, uh, yeah, it's um, it falls in that bracket of Harbour Town and Wildlife for the Sony and the RSM venues. You know, they're all shorter tracks where any anyone can compete, really. Well, let's go for a third selection with you, Barry, because I know that you do like to put up a big priced player every now and then. So, of those um, of those players that uh, are towards the back of the field in the betting, at least, who would be your best selection for the players' championship? Uh, so, I'm going to break all of Martin's rules here a little bit, uh, actually, and I'm going to go for Christian Bezade now, seventy to one. Uh, we saw him come up with you know a really strong finish uh, last week at the Arnold Palmer, finishing seventh. Uh, was, was sort of going up the leaderboard when when other players were moving very quickly down. Um, and the reason I really like Bezade now is, as I mentioned last year, obviously the event that the players was cancelled after round one last year, uh, Bezade now actually was shot minus seven, uh, bogey three, 65 in that opening round. Um, and, you know, if he, if, he, if he can do anything like that again, obviously he's going to give himself a great chance when he's in form this year already. He's had two wins for Christmas in South Africa. Um, I think that in terms of stats, his, his short game is fantastic. He's ninth for strokes gained around the green uh, at Bay Hill, and he was fourth for strokes gained putting. So, you know, a really tricky track, similar to this week in, in that sort of capacity. And uh, his short game really um, got him up there. And, and if, he, if he can produce um, anything like he did last week, I think he will give himself another good chance, even though he's there on debut. Does the price surprise you a little bit? I mean, normally when you'd see a top 10 finish, particularly in an event like the Arnold Palmer, you'd expect to see something of a, 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 of a subtraction from the layers and the prices, but, but 71 for a player who was ninth. Do you think that perhaps his relative inexperience at Sawgrass is what's pushing it up? Yeah, I imagine so. He actually was 90 to one um, with some bookmakers over the weekend who'd got their early prices out and has jumped into 70 to one after that, that performance. Um, which shows that they are giving him a little bit of respect there, I suppose. Um, but yeah, I imagine because he is the debutant and they're, you know, they, they haven't got the best of records over the course of the, the event. I think that's probably why you're getting such good value on him. But when you're getting, we'll start again with some bookmakers getting 10 places, it, it, it's, you know, a, a good bet in my opinion. And some people, Martin, just like 
peat dye golf courses, don't they? It just it just suits their eyes. You said at the top of the program, you know, there are players who come up time and time again on peat dye courses. And although uh, how it's only played the one round a bogey 365 in the circumstances that he did it last year when everyone thought what's going to happen with this event is probably something of note yeah I think with with um with Aiden Hoot, um yeah to go back to your comment Barry about um you, you know my trends and course history obviously stats are there to be broken so uh someone eventually uh is going to come along here and, and win on debut I mean Kisner nearly did a few years ago so I've just got, from my point of view, I've got a formula that um, I tend to stick to. It's done me well here. I mean, you mentioned Steve. I've been to this tournament a few times. The first year I ever went, I actually, I'm showing the age here. Um, I, uh, I backed Stephen Ames and he won at 125 to 1. So, um, uh, and that was based on that, that history, if you like, of um, he had the previous form here, the recent form and, and, and what have you. And uh, I've had a few successes here over the years. So, so I think um, Bez is someone who undoubtedly has a game for this type of course. Uh, and um, I wouldn't be surprised at all to see him sort of in the thick of things come, coming, you know, the back end of the week. So that's Barry's big price selection for the Players' Championship. Who have you got up your sleeve, Martin? Um, from a big price point of view, uh, I'm going to throw um, Johnny Vegas's name in the ring. Um, not the Lancastrian, Lancastrian comedian, but um, uh, obviously uh, Johannatan Vegas, the uh, Venezuelan golfer. Uh, and um, very simple one here. Third last time at Sawgrass, uh, has been seventh here before as well. Third last time out in Puerto Rico, friendly nicely, 200 to one. Um, he's a mercurial sort of player who can suddenly pop up, but um, he tends to find a bit of form sometimes and stick with it. He's won three times on tour, not saying he's going to win this, but at 200 to 1, you don't need him to. So, uh, um, yeah. Have I got time to also give a word for Hideki Matsuyama, who's not obviously a big price player, but uh, following Barry's theme, who started well last year, uh, he was carrying my money last year and uh, he opened up with a 63. Uh, and I was definitely hoping they'd get a second round in because then they would have declared the results. So uh, unfortunately, that didn't quite happen. But he's carrying my money again this year. I think he's trending very nicely. But um, if you look at your big price, then Johnny Vegas. And although we haven't got odds yet, um, I was very intrigued, Barry, by uh, the first round leader market and your opening selection for that, Webb Simpson. Uh, Webb, obviously, a former players champion, has, has, has played very consistently over the past couple of years, and you think he could get off to a splash at Sawgrass? Yeah, I mean, Simpson is a player who loves a fast start. Very recently, in fact, at the WGC, shot 66 in round one. Um, and I think he's one of those streaky types of players. You saw it just after the break, again, back when we came back from lockdown one, um, and we, we got the resumption of the PJ Tour underway. He was very streaky then. He went on a bit of a run and was involved for a good number of weeks. Um, and actually, I was very close to putting Simpson up as one of my selections. And uh, I think the price maybe put me off a little bit. Um, but with with a 66 at the WGC in round one, as I said, and uh, 65s at the RBC Heritage and at the Sony Open, where there's that little bit of correlating form, I think um, he's a really good shout uh, as a first round leader. But Well, let me ask you then, uh, the pair of you, for your best bet of the week. You can have a player that you've put up or you can put up a new player from your uh, extensive writings. Let's start with you, Martin. Who do you think your best bet of the week is? Um, I'll take Hideki. Hideki Matsuyama. Um, I think every game, again, banging my drum about history, trends, and all the rest of it, everything points to him, uh, as it did last year uh, when I put my money on him. Um, he played very nicely yesterday to close at Bay Hill. Uh, he shot level par, which was a great round in 
the conditions and that was with a double bogey at the last. He actually holds some putts on the back nine as well, which is obviously his big um, weakness and uh, he held uh, quite a few coming down the stretch yesterday. So um, I will take him. Due a win, he's got the history here and uh, he's trending nicely. Same question to you, Barry, as well. I'm going to go for Tyrrell Hatton, my headliner in the in the betting, because I think he's, he's one of those sorts of players who's brilliant on approach. Uh, he can get really hot with a putter. He, he, in my opinion, is going to win a major championship. And I'm going to put my neck out and say, I think in the next couple of years, he's going to win a major championship. And getting uh, that sort of stepping stone, as you said, at TPC Sawgrass and winning the Players' Championship would be a really good uh, move in the right direction. So if he can keep his emotions under check and, uh, and can sort of brush off the two poor rounds, um, around the two good rounds last week, then I think he's going to have a great chance this week. Well, I hope that has whetted your appetite for a fantastic tournament ahead. Martin, thanks so much for joining us this week. Really enjoyed the chat. Thank you, Steve. Thank you, Barry. Thank, thanks, guys, for having me on. And um, yeah, please check out uh, check out my website, sundogsgolfworld.com and my Twitter, at sundogmonkey. Um, I also do weekend final round previews for Sporting Life as well, so you'll probably putting stuff up on, um, on a Sunday morning for them. And same to you, Barry. Thanks for joining us as well. Thanks, Steve. And yeah, thanks for, again, Martin. Really useful. Thanks, Barry. Great to, great to chat with you. And don't forget, you can read all of Barry's tips uh, in much more detail every week on nationalclubgolfer.com. Hope you have a very successful Players' Championship. Please remember, if you are having a bet, do gamble responsibly. We'll see you next week on Dialed In. Oh, <laughs>